Hello, and welcome to another episode of Rule of Carnage. Um, this is a set of videos, podcasts, chats and conversations where myself, uh, Glenn Ford, a game designer and developer, chats to this guy, Mike Hutchinson, another game designer, developer and all-round splendid chap about games, many of which we have collaborated on. And because of that, today we're going to have a conversation about uh, the nature of collaborating on a design project, development, game, whatever it is that you're working on. Um, we're going to have, I think, a couple of conversations at least about this uh, subject. So we thought we would kick off today's conversation by sort of talking about how we first came together to sort of work on games and designs, um, a little bit of a a story of the the beautiful and burgeoning relationship <laughs> that we carved out over the uh, the game known as Gaslands to the world, um, and you know maybe sort of find some nuggets of how you know how that could happen for other people. So um, my relation, my 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 remembrance of the origin story and what I mm. sort of say to people because I um for people who don't know end up running Gaslands at conventions a little bit uh more often than than Mike makes them to for a range of reasons um and often people come over and they say so is this your game did you design this did you make this um some people um I remember a, G, uh, a games expo a couple of years ago, somebody posting on, I think, Twitter saying, a, a, a Gaslands here is the Gaslands guy here. And somebody else saying, well, there's a guy who says he's the Gaslands guy, but he's not the Gaslands guy because Gaslands guy has floppy hair. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I, I sort of do have to explain. When people come up to the table, though, they look at the two of us. You've got the more impressive beard, so they assume you're the, the you're the originator. <laughs> um, so I have a few times sort of had to explain who I am and what my relationship is, is with Gaslands, and the origin story I tell <laughs> is that um, once upon a time we were at our gaming club, and Mike uh, basically walked in and more or less said, okay, I've sold a game to Osprey. Now we need to write it. Um, <laughs> sort of uh, presented- That is literally my process, by the way. <laughs> presented this sort of relatively um, sort of sketched out idea for a game, um, <laughs> which had some sort of strong, so strong punchy ideas and some really cool parts to it. And some bits that were of various stages of being horrible um and i started you know i helped with the play tests um i ran play tests for the game and i think I, from my perspective i just gave more and more persistent notes than everybody else who was sort of working on it and play <laughs> testing it and sort of hit Mike with more and more of a sort of weight of words um, until eventually he sort of folded and accepted that I was going to be a significant sort of element in the process and we sort of found a relationship through that process I think where um, and we'll talk about more in the following conversations how we sort of learnt where the spaces are for each other that's that's vaguely how I remember us coming together how what what was it what was it because I've, I've never what was it like for you sort of 
me because there was a point where every now and again you got sort of a sheaf of papers jammed through your letterbox and as a bearded man ran giggling away into the distance <laughs> read that <laughs> i mean it was it was funny initially because um obviously uh we attended the same um the canterbury crusaders wargaming club and you know there's a bunch of bunch of gamers there playing a bunch of different games um some like us very magpie-ish and jumping from system to system some people who've got their kind of regular their regular um opponents and their regular games and i suppose i wasn't really sure what the initial reaction from my kind of friends and club mates would be on the topic of i've got a game published uh you know i need some help working on it i guess i assumed <clears throat> that there would be a lot of instance enthusiasm for being like oh i can be part of something that's going to be published uh, i want to be part of that and for some there definitely was like there there quite quickly emerged a group of about five or six um club mates that were like really interested in the fact that there might be a game coming out of this and that they might be part of something and like a, a vast majority of people who would just sort of go like oh cool and then just crack on with their their normal game which i remember um quite early on in the process glenn you sort of expressing some like um confusion that would be like why why would you like if you spend all of your time playing these games why would you not want to be engaged in the creation of one mm -hmm. and of course the answer is that not everyone finds the act of creation particularly interesting and and you did um and and had in the past on in other sort of spheres whether that's like writing campaigns or running events um and so i guess <clears throat> that initial stage was uh, a mixture of trying to figure out where my kind of like where my allies would be who were interested in contributing and helping me work through the problem um and then i think um figuring out what because because i I'm, i've worked with teams making stuff like software and products and things for most of my uh working life and this sort of felt like it was going to be somewhat similar but I didn't really know because i'd never made a a game in this way before and so i guess i started to figure out that in order to help get the right kind of feedback or input from people i was going to have to maybe adopt a stance that i was used to adopting in my day job which was one of like i have a vision for a thing and i'm going to define some principles about what the thing that we're going to make that delivers that vision can or cannot be um and in some regards those are arbitrary decisions and they just provide um swim lane they provide bumpers on either side of the of the swim lane to figure out what you can and can't do with a project um and i guess like as we got further into it like it just became super clear that you were um both extremely interested in helping make the game and make the game better and like fundamentally different in your neural pathways to the way that you considered certain elements and so i just was fascinated and baffled by much of your feedback because it wasn't feedback that i would be able to give myself and in lots of cases was super super useful um but i imagine thinking back there were some there were some phases perhaps where um i don't know did you ever feel like did you ever feel like i was like initially like knocking you back or being like get off my thing i mean i i think i think the thing about sort of finding a, a collaborative relationship 
is that it, it, you 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 have to get very lucky i think for for a lot of it because there's something inherently paradoxical about the fact that you need somebody who has a different enough point of view to you that it's worthwhile and valuable working with them if you're working with somebody who just tells you what you're already thinking you know you can just you you can just not not have a partnership but at the same time you end up you have to work quite closely together so you have to both sort of you know have somebody who will think something different from you but both be able to respect that difference which are two sort of kind of hard things to sort of have together at the same time and I think particularly I think as you just said there one of the things about any game and I think this is something that's going to come up a few times in in this sort of conversation is that a lot of the choices that you make about your game are going to be arbitrary choices um and you know particularly with Gaslands and it's happened sort of repeatedly when we've worked together it's like you know I go for a process of saying look I don't I don't care which of these two choices sort of get made. Um, both of these ones are valid, but you're going to have to help me to understand which of these paths your your vision is going down. Um, and then there are the other pieces which are just like, okay, it I this isn't a matter of opinion. This this is wrong. That this mm. thing here is just factually incorrect, and. Again, you know, so many of these things are about personality and relationship and how you work together, because, you know, one of the great things is that relatively early on, because, um, you know, I think that it, we've said a few times that, you know, we have these different perspectives and that, you know, from the early days, it's clear that I was the sort of the tournament player who some of the first things I did with Gaslands was go in and break some of the points values and, and some of the stats of the vehicles to just go, look, this is wrong. Watch me show you that it's wrong. You can't let people do this because it will just trash the game. And, you know, the bus was one of the first things. If people think that the bus is occasionally overpowered at the moment, it is as nothing to the game wrecking beast that it was in the in the first iteration and very early on you know I, I was quite gratified that when it came to those sorts of questions I could tell you that something was off and you accepted it mm. you know as opposed to you know we had a lovely team of playtesters but there were some people you know I told you that something else was off you accepted it and I didn't feel the need to prove it to you and I think that in many ways encapsulates the, the part of the reason we have quite a good working relationship, because a few times we had playtesters who came in, said that they thought a certain thing was off. We all said, sure, we accept that. That's fine. We'll get that changed. And they said, no, we're now going to go for a game where I proved to you that it's off. And it's like, none of us need this. None of us need you to do that. You know, mm. we're all, we, we, you know, we, we can respect each other's abilities in different fields. I mean, uh, and again, I think one of the things that one of the reasons we thought worked together quite well on those things is that I I have a, a I have an opinion, certainly with game design, I have an opinion that ideas are cheap. Um, yeah, no, 100 percent agree with that. I, and for me, if anything, it was just it, it was lovely that you were letting me into your sort of sandbox and I had the opportunity to play with it, build some things out of it and throw them at you and go, all of the 
difficult decision-making processes about what do or don't work or whether this jigsaw piece fits in, I don't have to do. I can just, I can just have fun. I can do some building blocks. I can create some things and I can give them to you. And I can say, I had fun making this thing, you know, and the fact that sometimes you just, in me, you're just like, no, let's spin this off. This isn't going to run. This isn't going to work. Was of apps so little concern to me that I can't mm. tell you you know there were there, and there were some ideas that I was genuinely quite invested in and and again there's a certain amount of this of you know I've learned to give an idea advocate for it and accept that you uh, you know respect me enough to listen to that advocation and I don't need to fight the corner for things in a way that maybe I did at one point and if you've listened to me advocate for it and decide that it isn't the, the choice for this game, I'm fine with it. And there was a time when I, I wasn't fine with it because I didn't think you might, you couldn't have listened because it was such a good idea. So it needed a couple more pushes. And now I've gotten past that where it's like, no, you know, Mike, Mike heard and he understood. And that's just not how game design works. Some things don't don't work for various reasons and sometimes and again early on i think you said back okay no this isn't a, this is going to work for a product design reason it's going to work for this reason and more and more we've we've grown into a shorthand of you need less and less i think to tell me that this isn't right for this game and i think a lot of that was um the good fortune that i came into Gaslands with a pretty strong idea about what I wanted the game to be like. Um, some other projects have taken me a lot longer to get a bead on exactly what is and isn't inside the, the magic circle. But for, there are, there are some exceptions here, but for whatever reason, like much of the Gaslands feeling and sort of principles about what should and shouldn't be a, a Gaslandsy thing were quite intuitively clear to me from fairly early on. So I was able to have a bit more of a practical rationale for like, I, I hear this idea and it's not where I want the game to go, even though, even though you haven't seen the game do this thing yet, like here's where I'm trying to push and this is going in the wrong direction. Yeah, and I think it, it was also interesting because, and you know, we obviously we spent quite a long time developing Gaslands, um, and I was running a lot of the so like a bit of biography in the early days of Gaslands. Uh, you know, Mike was having a young person enter into his life with uh, with, with a new child, and I um, wasn't, and you know, had considerably more sort of available time, you know, in my life, and. I did a lot of the sort of physical playtesting within our group, within our area. And uh, there came a point where I had learnt sort of Mike's Gasland voice, as it were. Mm. Um, and I was able to have people come in those sessions and present their... Because people, you know, a lot of people were lovely. They'd go away and they'd sort of, you know, come back with some a set of ideas that they had sort of beefed out and put together. And a lot of them, you know whilst we try and acknowledge them there's a lot of people who put work in that has never you know you can't give enough recognition to some people um and i would got to a point where i was able to say i like that you know and with no disrespect if i were making gaslands and it, it and i've always said there was a there is a glenn glenn's version of gaslands that could have happened in an alternative universe you know i would probably put it in but that's not 
that's not Mike's Gaslands. I, you know, I, I got to the point where I could adopt the sort of the Mike voice of going, I already know there's no point me presenting that to Mike because it's not part of his idea. It's like, and there were some of those that were hard and fa- relatively hard and fast rules, like um, that there's not a process for moving vehicles using the movement templates like at, at, at a diagonal, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, I mean, that was a, if you're getting sort of zoomed in, I think that was a really interesting decision. And it was one that came early on because for people that are curious about the Gaslands history, originally slides worked by a scatter dice and then you moving a short in a sort of scatter dice direction. And that was one of the early things that was like, A, it was a bit sort of, uh, and B, it just, it felt wrong because you would come out of a certain manoeuvre and then slide in a very counterintuitive way from the way it would feel like you would slide out of it. Um, and figuring it out, figuring out that that was just a thing that wasn't, wasn't part of the feel of the way that Gaslands templates operated on the tabletop. Yeah, was it, was like, it was like a decision that's like the physics engine doesn't support this so don't try and add a rule that does this because i'm telling you the physics engine doesn't support it yeah and that, that was one of those concrete moments where it was where i could say to people and it's just a concrete example where i could say to people look i know you could do that i know that the rules wouldn't be that complicated to write and to explain it but we that just that doesn't happen in gaslamps that's mm. just how it is it is not one of the processes that, that the game really accepts in um, yeah, and sort of figuring out those things and finding those spaces and, and sort of being able to operate, you know, together. I think, yeah, it, it was very valuable and it's been valuable in sort of ongoing projects that we've worked on together. So uh, this, has been a ve- this has been a very happy conversation of when things go well. I can't wait for the next conversation <laughs> where we talk about when things go less well. Yes. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's sort of, that's a short chat about the, the origin story, I guess, of our uh, our cl- collaborative relationship working on games. Um, I think if there is, I think if there is a lesson to sort of impart here, is that, I mean, I have I've repeatedly um, sort of gone to people for with with, with play testing and development, and I've offered notes, and some of them have sort of you know developed through to a certain degree and i've helped with a, a range of games mm. um as you know my working with mike was like the first thing i worked on seriously in relation to developing a game and the more times i've sort of had a bit of that relationship with somebody else the more i've come to recognize quite how lucky you know i was the the me and mike were the my first experience with that and it's just you know and it is it is a roll of the dice and it's not to say that you know the other people that i tried to work with where it didn't happen couldn't work with anybody they just couldn't work with me <laughs> um you know and and i think that the, the the learning point there to a degree is that a lot of finding a good collaborative relationship certainly early on certainly when you haven't found your own process necessarily or learned to recognize it in others mm. is 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 luck there is a lot of luck to it and i think i you know i've learned more and more how to be a good sort of uh, collaborator and you know how to come at people in a certain way um but if it's your first time approaching somebody 
you know, trying to give feedback, trying to help with development, and it doesn't come to anything. It's not necessarily that collaborations don't work or that they don't work for you or you shouldn't sort of seek them out in the future. It's just sometimes those jigsaw pieces don't don't click and there is kind of very little you can do about it, certainly until you've learnt a bit more how to to make it work. But, but yeah, and hopefully, hopefully in a future conversation, we'll cover some of um what we think is um is some of the tips for 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 getting better at that but yeah that seems like a good place to take a quick break i have an opinion about what sort of happened with skulljacker and how it helped me to learn a bit about how to approach these sorts of things um because was it-, it the second thing that we worked on together after gaslands basically well it was sort of you there was a day when you sort of said there is this thing a billion sons and then you basically didn't mention it for a year and somewhere around consecutive it ran maybe sort of parallel you came to me with this sort of half-formed idea of skulljacker and i absolutely assaulted it um and horribly put you off the whole idea of it. Um, and so, hi guys, welcome to Rule of Carnage, <laughs> a series of conversations between me, Mike Hutchinson, and Glenn Ford, uh, that guy there. We both design and develop games quite often together. Um, and last time we spoke, um, we were talking about our history of collaboration and collaborating together. Um, and we'll probably talk, I think, a little bit more formally about what some of the sort of tips and and best ways to approach collaborating together on a games design are. Um, but as you may be intimated from that uh, um, introduction there, we had a lovely time working on Gaslands together. And then shortly after working on Gaslands together, um, I, as I often do, was just tinkering with another game project. Um, it was something called Skulljacker, which was a, a intended as a sort of cyberpunk um skirmish game very particularly inspired by bullfrog's syndicate uh video game where you have four like agents and you upgrade them with increasingly complicated bits of tech and robot limbs and you run around with flamethrowers and there's civilians clogging up your um your your missions your black op and wet op missions uh yeah so shortly after working on gas hands together I, i sort of showed skulljacker to glenn and the the like to cut to the punchline the experience of working together on skulljacker killed skulljacker dead and it's never returned uh so it never got finished it it lies languishing in state um and yeah. probably never to be returned to so i guess um we started with your position uh, your point of view last time let's let's maybe do that again so what's so you were just starting to unpack that what's your memory of kind of how we got how we got working together on skulljacker so I think the thing with Skulljacker is that there were two there were two things, two parts of the game that I had the opportunity to respond on. Um, and one of them I I should have focused on and gone into that and and sort of I think if I'd if I'd run with that and put my energies into that, it could have you know not been sort of suffocated in its crib. And the other one I got very excited about and absolutely went mental on and horrified at you to such a degree that I think sort of 
the the that it just became so distasteful to you that you that you sort of from my perspective that's what it seemed like to me so so to me um so you presented skulljacker and we played a game of skulljacker um and one of the things about it um was that there were meant to be that there were these civilians milling around um because you know one of the things about Syndicate is that you, the, the Bullfrog game, is that you sort of, you you upgrade your agents with cyber implants until they become like gods among men, just floating around, destroying entire buildings with a look. And one of the other things was that it, it was it was an early real-time strategy game to have loads of civilians milling around. Mm. And if you did things in a certain way, you could use those civilians um to your benefit or they could be a huge you know pain mm. and that idea of being able to herd the civilians about to cause problems for your opponent um or or you know just trying to scatter them or sort of triggering the the intervention of like security forces that is still the thing that i i really love the idea of and i and i would love us to go back to that in some form or another mm -hmm. uh, it's a hard sell because you know you ask people to get like four minis that they're controlling and 20 minis that are just like scenery and i think that was one of the sort of the tricky points about it and, I, and what i what i wish i'd done and what i probably should have done is focus on the the mechanics of how they could work and figuring out a way I think one of the problems is that I don't think back then I could have reached a point of elegance with that process that would be necessary that I think I could do now. One of the other parts of Syndicate, and obviously what would then obviously be one of the other parts of Skulljacker, is that you get these cybernetic upgrades. Mm. Um, and you sort of, um, you, you, you build the human cybernetic cyborg people and you put them out onto the street and you know that's a large part of the process and I think I was still um in a world where I had I'd done quite a lot of the development of the sponsors in Gaslands and I had it in my head that one of the things I could offer um was uh, a sort of a quite involved complex and rich structure of like team building um you know sort of army list development and so i went off on one in this thing of the way that the cybernetic upgrades could work and the way they could integrate and this process whereby you know it could be hidden from players which things were going to be developed for a research process um, and each of the different syndicates could have a different research tree that overlapped with other syndicates and and had a way of sort of building it. And it, it was labyrinthine, um, wildly complicated and came as an absolute dump of stuff. Most importantly, actually, and maybe you maybe you, you don't perhaps remember this most importantly, um, prior to writing that, you had fixated on a activation system involving different limbs and 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 minor action points, and then you wrote all of that stuff. But like based on an activation system that you, like basically based on a version of the game that I didn't recognize and that I had never played and, and didn't really um, 
understand whether or not was going to be uh, right for the system and frankly felt more granular and and complicated than than Mike Hutchinson designs tend to be mm. and so it was it was it was the both that it was an elaborantine sort of dump, but that also it was like, it was one that I didn't recognize the origin for. And so I didn't have any way of computing. Yeah. And so I think what, like the, what the critical thing that, that we learned together from this experience was that I, um, I have like a, I have like a kind of concentric circle, um, process with the design where the core of the game the core mechanics have to come have to become very very clear to me before I start working on the next layer of the onions whether that's like you know the weapons and 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 vehicles or the campaign system broader than that and partly there's an extremely practical reason for that which is that you can spend a lot of time making very detailed systems for things like campaigns which are like completely invalidated with a single minor change to the core rules and so whilst the core rules are yet to be crystallized working on these external onion layers is is kind of a it's 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 problematic it's basically highly likely to be a complete waste of time um and so what happened emotionally for me as part of this process was these additional layers appeared without my willing them and I felt trapped by them because I didn't know how to I didn't know how to, it, 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 it took away the ability for me to think about free from constraints in a gravityless environment what could the game be what yeah. other what what million directions could it go in what core mechanics could exist to support those million directions and it sort of it sort of tunnel visioned it closed the like funnel of certainty in this really um surprising kind of violent way where it was like no no this is the exact game and it shoots over in this direction i was like no it's not we're not at all at the like there's a there's a classic design um like double hourglass piece of of um sort of an initial expansion of ideas from your from your first core idea like what are all of the ideas and all the possibilities and everything and then you have to kind of whittle them down to a design and then you start really working hard on on making that design work and you find lots of problems and these sort of things that you have to work on and then you have to solve all those problems and you get to a final kind of shippable book and I suppose like what the experience of working on Skulljacker sort of showed me in concrete terms was a couple of things. One is this onion thing is really important and, and stay away from the outer levels of the game design before, for, for me, stay away from the outer levels of the game design before the core is done. But also that um, it's really important for me to be able to think critically about my own games design before I open it up to collaborators mm. um or certainly and maybe we haven't really talked about this for a while but like uh in the game design phase like concepting phase i don't want to be thinking about development type questions about whether we're finessing it in this way or that way because i want to be at the still the big splashes of paint on the canvas throw the canvas away try yeah. some other big splashes um yeah, yeah. I, and I think the thing was that I again I was in this place where I was like, well, th this is this is great fun. I'm having fun here. I'm writing a bunch of stuff, and then I gave it to you in a with the sort of attitude of I know that there's a lot of stuff here, but feel 
to me, to my mind, it's like feel free to immediately just dump it into the shredder. You, you mm. not even don't even read it if you don't want to. Just drop it straight in the shredder. And I literally wouldn't have sort of lost, you know, an hour's sleep over that. Um, but I don't. But we weren't in that place where we. I think we could both accept doing that. And I think also again coming immediately off of Gaslands, there was this place where. I could drop that onto onto Gaslands and it would be like, you know, be like dropping it onto a Gaslands truck. It'd just be like, dump, eh, truck's fine. With Skulljacker, it was like dropping, you know, a, 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 a copy of the entire works of Shakespeare onto a newly born baby. And, you know, you sort of, you lift it yes, up. Yes, or a little like, daisy. Oh, oh, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, me. Um, and, and again, and, and having been through that process, um, I think. And just, I want to catch, I want to catch on that metaphor. Gross though it was, because um, the design wasn't robust enough. It wasn't. It didn't know what it was. It didn't have enough defensive. Like I didn't know how to defend what was important because I didn't yet know what was important. And so, like a truckload of new ideas collided with it. And I looked at the mess and just went, I don't know how to put these pieces back together again because I don't know which pieces are important anymore. Mm, yeah, I, yeah. So sort of horrified you with this other bit. And I think it's a lot of, it's like when they say, you know, if once you've seen this, you can't unsee it. Mm. I think the fact that, you know, I did a thing you couldn't, couldn't unsee kind of killed that design for you in many ways, which is a real pity. Um, and I think... Yeah, since then, you know, there have been various points where you've you've presented an idea, and I've and we've I've now learned to be able to say, okay, is this the thing where you want me to say that looks cool, and then walk away, <laughs> or, or do you actually want me to start to start on it? And a few times you said no, I just want to show a cool thing to my friend and have him say that looks cool and then maybe in six months time I'll have something that you can come at and I've been able to go and and now we have that that moment and I can go fine that's great I can put it out of my head yeah and and, and I think the the corpse of Skulljacker bloody though it, it is um like it came just before or at the same time as working on A Billion Sons and I'm a hundred percent sure that A Billion Sons is a lot stronger as a result of the corpse of Skulljacker because what it gave me real confidence was is that like I was super super unsure about the design of A Billion Sons I didn't know whether it was going to be a, a big fleet battle sort of battle line game or something you know very strategic or was it going to be really objective based or really combat based like it took me a long time to puzzle that out and the um the experience on Skulljacker gave up both of us this real like keen awareness of it needing to be a thing that I had long enough to kick the football around in my own back garden before I figured out roughly where I where I wanted which elements I needed to defend and keep sacrosanct and which elements were very much fungible and up for um yeah. for attack and development and and, and yeah. dissection yeah and you know i would say i i have in a drawer somewhere my my a version of a billion guns <clears throat> and a version of hobgoblin that i went away and wrote in order to not show them to you <laughs> um, <laughs> i am super curious to read those <laughs> you know, to say well this is what i this is what i would do and this is probably okay right that's gotten that out yes <laughs> yes gentle reader you can imagine the quill the quill at work and the and because he always worked in those days always 
always worked on bits of lined paper, the bits of lined paper spewing out left and right. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, and again, and I think a lot of it, it comes back to this thing of learning which bits of the game you need to fight for and which game bits of the game are up for grabs and which bit which fights to to be willing to have um and which things that you're that you're poking your friend in a soft spot and you probably shouldn't do it because you're not helping by achieving that well and, and also and also there's there's something that i think there's a really important distinction for me between like I believe very strongly that it's important to get a new game design on the table with other humans really early on just to see whether the whole thing stands up or whether in your mind it was going to do something and actually when you plug all those things together it doesn't at all do that or it's total garbage or it doesn't even function or it like falls over at the first sentence um, and that whilst important is very different to the open invitation to start developing for others to start developing it because if it's very much at the conceptual stage where you still are figuring out what the major moving parts are it's important to show it to humans but it isn't important to get any feedback um necessarily other than this is broken try again mike mm. Yes, so you know, we we had a we had a conversation about the 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 lovely and uh, sort of immediately backslapping wonderfulness that was working on Gaslands. Uh, we've had a little chat about the abortive um, attempt at a, a collaboration that was Skulljacker. Um, that's been you know another lovely conversation. I think we'll sign off for now. We'll come back with um, more sort of I think generalized conversations on collaboration and how to be a good part of each side of the conversation um, next. But for now, I think we'll sign off. Um, if you've watched through to this point, please do like and subscribe. It really helps us to... Uh, to, to All praise to the algorithm. <laughs> Smash that like button. Um, yeah, it, please drop into the comment section if you've attempted to collaborate and it broke down. Let's take a moment to try and figure out possibly why that happened in, in, in the comment sections. Drop in why you think it didn't work. It Feel didn't... free to change the names of the innocents. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, you know, where, where these things broke down because, yeah, sometimes it's just down to personality. Sometimes it's down to I, sh I shouldn't have done this, you know, I shouldn't have worked in this way. And there are learning points to... to and sometimes it's just down to like tedious process points of like not, not knowing what your process is yet. Yeah, um, I think, but for now, uh, we'll sign off on this episode of Rule of Carnage. Uh, look us up online, uh, reach out to us on social media, but for now it's going to be thank you and goodbye. So thank you and goodbye. <laughs>